Well, hello and welcome to the Daily Word podcast. Today is Friday, and on Fridays we shift our focus from walking through the scriptures to prayer. And I am joined by a very special guest this morning, none other than one of Trinity's worship leaders. Good morning. Miss Cynthia Bailey. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Now, one of the biggest challenges in times like this is establishing and maintaining healthy routine. So tell me, have you had a tough time these last seven, eight months maintaining, establishing healthy rhythms and routines? Oh, yes. (laughs) I've been able to maintain my ice cream every night routine. That hasn't been too hard. (laughs) So some routines are easy to kind of maintain. But one of the most important things for living well is rhythm. It's routine. And the biblical pattern that is given for us as the basic orienting routine and rhythm for each day is evening and morning prayer, morning and evening, evening and morning. And for our prayer time today, we're going to look at Psalm 4 and 5 because Psalm 4 and 5 give us that order, that structure, that routine of evening prayer followed by morning prayer. But it's really interesting that in Genesis 1, have you ever noticed how we conceptualize of the day as beginning in the morning, and then the day ends at dusk when the sun sets, but it begins at dawn when it rises. But in Genesis 1, it's evening and morning the first day, evening and morning the second day. It's the day begins with the evening and then ends at the morning. Hmm. And that's an interesting pattern. I wonder when we started to reverse that, thinking that the day started with the morning and ends with the evening. I don't know. By the time you get to the New Testament, they still begin. You know, the Sabbath always begins on Friday evening. So the day Mm -hmm. starts at the evening. And I'm not sure. I wonder if it's still that way. I think it maybe still is. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to kind of ask why. Why is that the structure, evening and morning? And I don't know, but Augustine said the reason why. And, you know, he's pretty smart. I think this is (laughs) as good a reason as any. But he said the pattern is to move from death to life. That God has actually, from the very beginning, worked the rhythm, the routine, the actual rhythm of resurrection into our life, where you begin in darkness, and you move from darkness to light. You move from when you lie down and sleep to a mini death to resurrection and renewal in the morning. And you look at Genesis 1 and 2, I mean, the condition in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the condition is that the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Mm-hmm. So formless, void, darkness, and then that's what God's Word powerfully speaks into. And if you think about that condition, that's not just the condition of creation before God spoke. That's the condition that our lives will inevitably be drawn to, formless and void. That's the condition not just of our outer world, but our inner world. You know, we can have emotions that are unstable, dashing up and down and all over the place. We can have thoughts that run riot, like wild monkeys bouncing all over the walls. We can have appetites and desires that tug us this way and that. And you, you think about we're really only at our very best for about 10 minutes throughout the day. <laughs> and then we slip into that formless void. And that's what the pattern of evening and morning is meant to do, not just for our life, but our soul, but to give us rhythm, to give us routine. And so we're talking about this now because this is going to be a key point in our Sermon on the Mount series as we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and the prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. Jesus is just assuming that morning prayer is part of it. But the two pieces are morning and evening. And I want to look at Psalm 4 uh, this morning. We'll walk through that because Psalm 4 is the evening prayer. And then Psalm 5 balances with the, with the morning prayer. 
And so we come to Psalm 4. So look at it and just notice, notice the setting. So Psalm 4 is set up for us. And there's a line that says, belonging to the worship leader or the choir master set for strings, the song of David. Now, Psalm 3 and 4 give us the setting when David is on the run from Absalom. So it's very important to see Psalms 3, 4, 5 in their context because these psalms aren't given to us in a vacuum. They're not given to us, you know, wrapped in lace with angelic hosts singing in the background. They're given to us, like they come to us in times of great difficulty and uncertainty. And so Psalm 3, 4, 5, find David on the run from Absalom. This is one of the lowest points of his life. He finds himself at a point where his future is uncertain. His name is being slandered. His family is shattered. His life work that he's dedicated his entire life to is threatened to dissolve in front of his very face. His home is in jeopardy. He's now a fugitive on the run, and he could lose his very life. So, I mean, other than those things, his, his life is going pretty well. <laughs> so he, he, he knows what it's like to have his life completely disrupted, completely shattered. But it's in that context that the routine of evening and morning prayer become even more important because they become his anchors. And I notice there's another interesting little setup for this. It says belonging to the choir leader or worship leader. You see that? Mm-hmm. That actually literally, so the literal translation for that is to the eminent one. I like that title. <laughs> you, like, you think we ought to change the title from you know worship leader to the eminent one? Cynthia Bailey, the eminent one. Mm, got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Or you can just... You'll reserve that one for me? Or, yeah. yep, that can just be my title for it. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like people ask me when they first meet if they need to call me Dr. Bailey. And I said, no, the only person who has to is you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we can, we, can, we can think about changing your title to the eminent one. Mm-hmm. Now, the eminent one, the worship leader. Now, that's actually applied to 54 psalms throughout, this, uh, throughout the Psalter. And this is a reference to the theme in Chronicles. You know, the th- great theme in Chronicles is David building, establishing, getting ready for the temple and leading the, the worship, really, revolution. And, you know, in Exodus at Mount Sinai, kind of the liturgy is established, the form of worship. And then once you get to the temple, the, the music, the rhythm is then added. So David's the one who added music to our worship to establish the music. And what's interesting is this is not just for David. This is not a psalm that was just meant for David's time of difficulty. It's for all of God's people. And it's to be sung because it's to be worked into your, your, your soul. And the movement in the psalm, Psalm 4, is a movement from a time of intense pressure into a place of peace. So just kind of notice the movement. Look at verse 1. That starts out David's request and desire. And it's, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I'm in distress. So he's in distress. You've heard me before in my times of distress. And then his request is that God would be gracious to him and hear his prayer. So that's where he begins. He begins in a state of difficulty, uncertainty, anxiety. And then notice, notice how, how does it end? Look in verse 8. Look, where has he come to by verse 8? He's come to rest. Verse 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So he's come to a place of peace. So now he can come to a point where he can lie down and sleep. So his, his, his mind is easy. The turmoil, the chaos, the void has been settled. And so this whole psalm is a journey from that place of distress, panic, 
uncertainty into a place of peaceful, restful calm. And I think that's a journey every person can understand, every person needs, can sympathize with. We need to walk that journey every single day because mm-hmm. it's so quick and easy to have our emotions, our thoughts, our desires become unruly and bring them to a place of rest. So how does he get there? Now, what's interesting is the key, the heart of this song is verse 3, 4, and 5. That's going to give us the pattern for how you get there. But it's actually surrounded by detractors people who are attacking him. So you have his detractors in verse 2. Look at them. Notice what he says about them. Oh, men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? So it's interesting that word, oh, men, it's kind of hard to translate. It's really, it's also a similar word to the oh, eminent ones. These are, these are people of very prominent political, social power. Mm-hmm. So he's being attacked by, well, his, you know, his son, one of the my notes say men of rank. Men of rank, yes. Men of rank. And notice what they're doing. They're slandering him. They're lying about him. But then look, you have that's paralleled in verse 6. Notice what they're saying. There are many who, will, who say, who will show us some good? So nothing good's going to come out of this. They're, he's being slandered, but then so is the situation. And what they're spreading is they're spreading despondency. They're spreading despair. They're spreading anxiety and fear. Nothing good is going to come out of this. This is a disaster. So it's into that world, the world of disruption, the world of toxic negativity, the world of slander and lies that he gives us on for and bring, can bring himself to a place of rest. And, it's, and the way it comes is through verse 3, 4, and 5. And maybe this is a coincidence. I don't know. But there's seven action verbs where I think he's giving us the pattern. These are the seven things to do to bring yourself from a place of pressure and panic to a place of peace. So the first one, look at verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself, and here's when I call. So it has to begin with a firm conviction about who God is and what he's done. You have to grasp the truth that God will take care of his own. Isn't it interesting that that's the truth that you have to begin with? God is sovereign. God will take care of his own. Not just that he's sovereign, but that he's good. He's good. Why do you think in times of real disorder, is it really important to root yourself on the reality that God is good and he takes care of his own? There's something anchoring in dwelling on the unchanging character of God in very changing times. And so his stability gives us comfort in an unstable time. But then this is also his goodness. Why do you think you need to remind yourself of his goodness in times like that? So you don't associate the, the bad that's happening to you with God. Yeah, it's so easy to want to blame him, to want to attack him, to want to undermine your confidence and trust in him. Now, this is the kind of thing that if you don't know this, by the time the pressure and the difficulty come, it's too late. Mm-hmm. This is not a lesson, in essence, David could learn on the run. Once he had to go on the run, he needed to already know this. Mm-hmm. This is why it's so important to do discipleship, formation, to have regular times of in the word where you're learning and growing in the good times. Mm-hmm. And then verse 4 and 5 give us six more of these strong action verbs. And the first one is be angry and do not sin. So there's two of them. So be angry, do not sin. And it's interesting where he says you can be angry, you can be irritated, you can be frustrated. So you become angry. Paul actually quotes this in Ephesians. 
We be angry and do not sin. So one of the troubles when we're trying to kind of get control of our emotions is we often will experience certain emotions like anger, frustration, grief, and then we'll feel bad about feeling that way (laughs) and we'll compound it. But in one sense, it's okay to be irritated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. The, The problem becomes in a sinful response to that emotion. So, for example, I mean, we deal with this multiple times every single day where one child will have some injustice done to them where their Lego friend is stolen, taken when they're playing with it, and then they'll get angry, they'll scream and strike back. And our response is, the problem was the response. What was done to you was wrong, and we'll make it right. But the problem is how you responded. And most of the time what gets us in trouble is how we respond to these things. Mm -hmm. So you can be angry, but then do not sin. Why do you think David is reminding himself at night? He can't sleep. He's lying awake. So what would the tendency be? I mean, the natural tendency is to start mulling over these things and to get angry and have it stir up in your own mind. And so it's interesting here because the do not sin is not something that he can kind of do to someone else because he's lying awake in his bed at night. The only thing that he can do is have a sinful emotional response to that anger, to kind of cling to it, to fan into flame, to let it churn into his own mind and heart. Then notice what he says the next thing. So be angry, do not sin, ponder in your own hearts on your bed. So he's saying you need to think through these things. You need to have space and quiet and time to reflect and think. But then notice the key word that follows. What's he told to do after he ponders? Be silent. <laughs> Why do you think he tells him then to be silent? After you've, you've been reflective and you've thought through, it's be silent. So there's an interesting progression. I mean, David can't help being afraid. That's not the problem. But he has to not let that become sin. But then he should regularly enjoy or experience these private times of thoughtfulness where he's thinking through these things. The solution is not just to, like, ignore it or try and pretend like nothing bad is happening. He should think through. But then there's, a, there's times of being silent. And then notice what that's followed by. Verse 5. Offering sacrifices and putting your trust in the Lord. And there's a final two. Offer, but not just sacrifices. How does he distinguish them? Right sacrifices. Right sacrifice. There's a right way to sacrifice. This is worship. Mm-hmm. Offering right sacrifices. Now, how can David do that? He's on the run from Absalom sleeping in a cave. How can he? He's nowhere near the tabernacle. The ta- temple hasn't been built. The tabernacle where the right sacrifices are offered is far away. He can't get there even if he wanted to. How is he going to do right sacrifices? Is it possibly referring just to to give to cast your cares upon the Lord, so to speak, of just you know submitting all of these worries to the Lord and trusting that He'll take care of Him and and just resting in that? Is that? one of the sacrifices he's referring to? Yeah, it's doing what the sacrifices point to, even though you can't have the actual physical presence of being there to do them. You can still spiritually and emotionally connect. You can do those. You can pray. You can have your morning and evening prayer. Even if you can't be at the tabernacle with morning and evening sacrifice, you can still have morning and evening prayer. Like a sacrifice of the heart. Yeah, that's part of it. And so it's... It's making use of the means of grace that are offered to you and recognizing that this is a problem. I can't be at the place that I need to be, but I can still 
do the things that I need to do. And so we need to kind of enter into that. So for seven months, we haven't been able to gather in corporate worship. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And we should recognize it. It doesn't mean we check out and stop doing it. You can still offer those right sacrifices as appropriate mm-hmm. things, but you have to do them on the run in the wilderness. And then the final thing is trust. You end in trust. Put your trust in the Lord. And I think that's the where you come to, even though you've walked through this path of being angry, of contemplating, thinking through worship. And then what should come at the other end of prayer and worship is trust. And then there's a movement in seven and eight where he gets more joy in his heart. Joy comes and then rest. So it's progression of trust, joy, rest. So what I want to do today is just kind of walk us through Psalm 4 as a reminder of the need to maintain regular routines, the routines of evening and morning prayer, and that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, when our future is uncertain, if our name's being slandered, if our family's shattered, if our life work is threatened, if our home is in jeopardy, if we are in danger of losing our life, David was actually experiencing all of those things. And yet he was still committed to evening and morning prayer. He was still able to move through those things to a place of peace and rest and joy. And so let's pray that that'll be true for us as well. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the witness of your faithful servant who can point us where to go in times of tremendous uncertainty and difficulty. Then we ask that you would help us. We ask that you would help us to know that you set apart the godly for yourself and you hear us when we call. Let us have a conviction about who you are and how you respond to your people. And then help us to be angry. There's things that should make us angry. And Lord, forgive us when we don't get angry at the things we should. But in that anger, help us not to sin. Help us not to respond to it in a destructive way. Lord, help us to take time to ponder in our own hearts, to think through our our life, but then give us the wisdom to know when to be silent and not to speak. And then, Lord, help us to offer right sacrifices. Help us not to make excuses to not engage with your word and your worship and your people. But in all things, help us to offer right sacrifices and finally put our trust in you. Lord, we confess how unstable and unsure our minds, our thoughts, our emotions can be. And so we ask that you would firmly grasp us and help us to put all our trust in you. And all this we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. It was my pleasure. Oh, I was talking to the listeners. Ah. (laughs) Just kidding.